and welcome back to the cast of Ka, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my Kotet, the one and only DJ. See, guys, I promised we weren't dead. We just uh, you know, <laughs> had some stuff going on in life and uh, had to cruise through that before we could pick yeah. back up speed and start rolling down this hill again. See, he's being very kind because it's actually my fault that it's been so long. Well, I mean, it was Women in Horror Month, which I got buried Hey, in. team effort. We're, we're in this together. You can't have the podcast without both of us. So. I know, but I don't want you to get blamed because my <laughs> life fell apart. <laughs> Just work was crazy. Podcast world was crazy. I bought a house which was kind of crazy. Congratulations. Thank you. And so I've just been kind of out of out of sorts, but I'm back. Life is calming down a little bit. I'm excited. I've missed this person so much. <laughs> I have missed you terribly, DJ. I love our bi-weekly conversations and like it it felt weird not to talk to you. This is okay. Um I'm there in spirit. <laughs> I mean, I thought about you and talked about you a lot. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> Works. Perfect. That's fine. Okay, good. So we are back. I'm so excited. This episode is going to be a ton of fun. We're going to kick it off with an in-depth conversation about Wolves of the Call-Up, Part 2, Telling Tales, Chapter 9, The Priest Concluded, Unfound, Sections <laughs> 11 through 20. <laughs> oh, yeah. We just uh, picked up an easy one with a title that's only like, I don't know, five sentences long. Thanks, Stephen King. Yeah, I know. Half the episode's just going to be me listing off what it is we're actually covering. Um, and then we'll close out the show with our listener question. Uh, but before we do any of that, DJ, it's been a minute. I need to hear, what is our spoiler policy on the cast of Caw? <laughs> like a dripping pustule from the middle of my head. Oh, God. Where <laughs> red liquid falls down onto the ground. We'll dribble a little line in the ground to let you know when we're splashing into the spoiler zone. Oh my god, that was graphic. I loved it. <laughs> All right, where did we last leave off with our cotet? So it's remember? been <laughs> so long that I actually did need to go back and refresh myself in the beginning of this chapter to catch back up. So we left off with uh, the Hitler brothers and... Uh, um, Such a our, weird sentence. <laughs> I know, that is, it's very, um, very straightforward, but also like catches you off guard. Yeah. Um, so these two guys that are, are, are basically rescuing Callahan from uh, this situation, pop in with flashlights, but it's not before he's already gotten hurt a bit. Um, and they chase off the two guys, have them take their clothes off and run away. And the escape, um, we, we get some, like, I think some Yiddish slang from the two guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, vaguely, there's a story break to where we kind of maybe know who those guys might be, but we'll leave that for later. Um, and then we wind up with basically Callahan ending up in the bed of his friend who had just passed away that he had gone to visit previously in the hospital with like barely enough time to change the blankets and toss out the corpse before he's laying there. And <laughs> I mean, is that, is that inappropriate? I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's not wrong. It's not inaccurate. So, like, Colin finds himself in the in this hospital, and he's sort of, um, and I'm going to blend some stuff together here because this kind of, like, moves around a little bit. But he's kind of, like, uh, gets out. He's beat up, and uh, he decides that, like, those two guys, um, they they were not heroes by any means they were just regular dudes and they risk their lives to save what is this pathetic dude who's like drinking and 
and going to Brawny Man to work and then drinking some more and going to Brawny Man and work that if he's still this bad off by, you know, what, March or April of the next year or something like that, he's just going to end it all. And so he basically uh, jumps in to an AA meeting and starts from the beginning uh, from scratch. And he's like, you know, uh, I didn't want to have a drink. Uh, I mean, I, I said I didn't want to have a drink when they came to me, but that's a lie. I I actually really wanted a drink. And there's this, sort of this, I guess, uh, a thing that's like fake it until you make it mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And and how he gets to this situation is while he's out of the hospital and drinking, he actually and this is I mean, and that's why I said I was going to bounce around a little bit because that's the big arc. But the little arc is this little vignette we get of him like getting drunk and like trying to take an officer's hat <laughs> and try and wear it. And then like when the officer um, resists, he's like, you know, I, I just I need a cute hat like that from one of you, you little young people <laughs> to cover up my scar. And like. I don't know what the penal code number was. I think they mentioned it in this little section, mm-hmm. uh, but he ends up in jail for a, a fairly um, a common penal code violation of like assaulting an officer or harassing an officer or mm-hmm. whatever. And the thing is, is when he's in this jail, he sort of like feels like not that bad. And then he sort of gets these spasms and mm-hmm. the spasms happen about the same time as the jailer is like basically doing the the roll call for everybody that's in jail at the time to make sure that everybody's present awake and like do their safety checks or whatever. And also um, someone is singing like his least favorite song. It's like mm-hmm. someone saved a wretch like me or something like that. Someone saved my life tonight by Elton John. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm not particularly familiar with that Elton well, John that's song. That's the song that is playing when he catches the vampire biting. I can't think of his name. Oh, uh, yeah, his partner outside yes. of the uh, homeless shelter. Okay, and so okay. it started to become a very significant song uh, in his life because it's, you know, there's like the literal interpretation where somebody, he's saving someone's life. And then there's kind of a larger sort of thematic association with that because this is all about him choosing to save his own life. And this is the moment he hits rock bottom. And so when he's singing this song, unbeknownst to himself, he's singing it and he's actually singing it to himself because he's about to make the decision to save his own life finally. Okay. And so I got a question for you because I'm not I'm not familiar with like all of the stages of, you know, this level of alcoholism or mm-hmm. whatever um yeah. he says he feels fine but then like immediately he goes into and there's a name for it it's escaping me but it, he basically has like a uh tremors and his legs start shaking and his arms yeah. start shaking uncontrollably and then he craps and pees himself yeah i mean i think he's sobering up in the jail so it's cell. like detox basically like yeah a, he's got the dts and it leads to a seizure oh okay mm-hmm. okay okay yeah that's what yep. cause I was trying to figure it out because uh, they call it something else um, in that chapter. I don't think they say seizure. A um, grand. Well, he's talking a grand, about mo- yeah, grand, grand mal. So there's two kinds of. Well, there's probably more than two, but like there's when you seize, when you have like the really large body movements, like the more intense ones called a grand mal, mm-hmm. and a smaller seizure is called a petite mal. 
Okay, I did not know that. I knew <laughs> about seizure preparation and like what you're supposed to do in a medical situation. But I mean, I, that's probably the more important thing to know of the two. But I'm the glad grandma, you have the useful and I have the useless. I was like, is that like a reference to his grandmother? Like her shakes? No, no. Okay. Yeah. So a- after this epic scene, like we jump back to the big arc, which is he made it to AA and he starts to like kind of clean himself up. And um, he ends up like basically finding a low rent version of home, which was the um, lighthouse, the the, you know, um, not assisted. uh, What do you call it? Like probably shelter type place. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a wet shelter, Mm -hmm. wet shelter. Yeah. So I guess that means you can drink inside. Yeah. Like you don't have to be. It's not like a place where you have to be sober. Like you can still receive services and stay here even if you're still clean or you're not clean or not sober. Yeah, and so we get this kind of like almost like holiday painted picture. Yeah. <laughs> of um they're like, well, you know, okay, our tradition going back so long, four years or so. Um mm-hmm. we uh, you know, do this like meal and decorations, but we have a rule that no wet brains can uh be working the decorations or doing the cooking or whatever. And I'm not a hundred percent sure what wet brain is either is that like when you go crazy question mark i mean it's when you've drank so much that you have caused like neurological damage Uh, okay so yeah because there's a couple times where he refers to wet brain and like it feels as though um he you know could possibly be imagining his own surroundings and so i'm assuming that it was some sort of uh brain damage or or something yeah yep yep yep. um so we, we get this kind of picture of this place but it's not doing so well they don't have a ton of money. They're kind of struggling to make ends meet. He's working there. He's he's doing what he can. And then they get this like crazy letter in the mail that's like, okay, um, you know, apparently there's like some sort of tax situation going on where this corporation needs to donate money to X number and of places. What's the name of the corporation? <laughs> it's a damn it. It's the Sombra, Sombra, right? There we go. <laughs> yes. I, well, I almost Sorry, went I to Lemurk because I wrote like I wrote in big letters Lemurk Industries question mark and then the entire serial <laughs> number down. Well, let's pause here because we're flying through this so fast. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. I don't have a a lot, but I, I do only saw out a I saw you things. deleting stars, so I was, I like, was well, adding. Okay. I was I realized I hadn't added my stars, so I was like ah, feverishly adding adding them in there. Um, Okay, so a couple of things. We found out the Hitler's brothers' names are Norton and William Garton, uh, which I was like, mm, Nort. I was trying to figure out who the Will or William or Bill reference was, but I feel like it's definitely not a coincidence that one of them is named Nort. Um, that is a character's name we hear a lot in this world. Uh, the other thing is when he is, sorry, we went through so much, I'm like scrolling through my Oh, notes. no, no, and no, you're right. Fine. I wanted to come back around and talk about the their finger and face being burned off. Mm-hmm. Well, then, I mean, we can assume that they, you don't fail the low men and not experience some sort of uh, retribution for that. And I think that's definitely what happened. <laughs> it was the low men got a hold of him. Did you have something more on that? Oh, no. Uh, the, well, the torture and death, the, the part that I thought was interesting is because, like, uh, they stop for a second. Stephen King's like, or not Stephen King, um, Eddie is like, uh, w- those guys, are you sure? Like, they were still, still scaring us, like, when we were kids. And, you know, they're they're in different time frames. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's like, well, and then he explains this sort of interesting bit about the newspaper um, still covering them because they didn't want to lose the boogeyman because it sells papers. And yep. 
and and the thing that like I thought was interesting is that like they actually didn't lose the boogeyman. They just didn't realize that there's more boogeyman running around right. the city than than they knew about. Right, right. Like the Hitler brothers are definitely like they're the just like the top of the tool, but tip of the iceberg. Lot. There's like a whole bunch of stuff under the water. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, OK, obviously stuff that happened in the jail cell. I think it's interesting that Callahan is referring to his new scar. This cross on his forehead has the mark of the cane or as the mark of Cain, who, you know, that's a biblical reference, obviously, of like the brother who killed his brother. But like the mark of Cain was he was basically when Cain was forced out, um, he was forced. Part of his punishment was he was meant to wander forever and that nobody could help him or else there would be har- help or harm him or else there would be like consequences for it. And like that actually really parallels his story that everyone around him, whether they help or try to harm him, end up facing like very serious consequences. So it's just like a cool use of like a biblical reference. Um, yeah, they weren't able to help him. Oh, <laughs> oh okay, God. Oh, my God. It took me a minute, but I'm here. I'm with you. I'm with you, brother. <laughs> The other thing is, is we get a Bango Skank reference. When he's having his seizure, he looks up and he sees Bango Skank, and I just had my 19th nervous breakdown. So we're getting a 19 reference in the gel cell combined with a Bango Skank. Bango is getting all over the place. Like, there is not a wall he has not scribbled on in these these things. I need a spinoff about Bango Skank. Every time it happens, it just makes me want more Bango Skank content. So this is like a complete aside, but do you remember about 2014, there was the graffiti artist that wrote his entire journal as a book on the walls of the subway? And like it was a race between him to finish his book and uh, the subway graffiti removal squad from like wiping it out. But ironically, like he wasn't able to get pictures of everything. But in documenting the crime, they were able to get pictures of his entire book. That's amazing. And so I just picture like that being a gang, uh, a bango skank, like level of effort to to get everywhere all at once. That's right. I mean, I always think of um, I'm we probably talked about this on the show because I'm obsessed with it. But like the Toynbee tiles, have you ever seen any? Have Are you those ever the seen like the alien tiles? invader ones where they well, like? Yeah, like they say really weird things and they'll just like appear out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm vaguely familiar with those. There's a documentary about it called Resurrect Dead, The Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles that I highly recommend. But they all say weird things like Toynbee idea in movie 2001, Resurrect Dead on planet Jupiter. Like they all say stuff like that. Hmm. And nobody knows who is doing the Toynbee Tiles. And this, so this documentary is like a, a, an investigation. And they, they definitely end up with a theory of who it is and what's really going on and what it actually means. But when I see the Bango Skank stuff, I always I always think of the Toynbee Tiles and like that kooky story. I think you would love that documentary if you saw it. I think you think it was really interesting. The Toynbee Tiles, right? It's called blend. Resurrect Dead, um, the Toynbee Tiles. And I, I mean, I, I thought years ago. Okay. But, um, let's see. Where is it available? Since I'm I'm recommending <laughs> it, Resurrect Dead. No, not The Walking Dead. Nobody wants that. So we have, like, in this area, there are folks that sneak in and will steal, like, one brick out of something and then bring back a new brick that's painted with something weird on it 
um, and like usually have some sort of word garbage that is uh, there to confuse. Um, so I assumed it was just one of those associated things. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Um, it is. Oh, you can rent it on Vudu for four bucks. That's that's where to watch it. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Totally sidetracked us as usual. Um, oh, that's okay. So uh, you were talking about the wall Bingo graffiti. Game. Yes. So the last thing I want to talk about this is when he Callahan brings up this experience, he talks about essentially um, how this moment served as his rock bottom, which is like a, an idea that I think most people are familiar with. It comes out of recovery about like this is the point where you you, you reach your lowest point And then from here, you you know, like it's time to make changes. Um, and it, he asked them, you know, do you are you familiar with this? And. Jake, Susanna, and Eddie all have a moment where they reflect on their personal rock bottoms, whether it was like almost killing Roland so that he can get through a door to get more heroin or um, I can't remember off the top of my head what they all were. But the point was there's only one person in the group that does not have a memory that we hear, and that is Roland, which to me is a sign that Roland has not reached a rock bottom. Like he's still very much in his in his addiction still and very much still like i mean because he is he has this power madness and that he will sacrifice anything for it ultimately as we know this is like the internal struggle that he's having it's it is similar to a situation many people who struggle with addiction um can can understand of like the lines being blurry and moving when it comes to making choices between betraying someone and continuing to follow that that desire so it's interesting to see that he did not actually have a rock bottom, despite everything that we know that he's gone through. Susan dying, Jake falling, myriad tragedies and heartbreaks, the, the loss of his entire quartet, like all of those things. None of those things register as a rock bottom for, for Roland. I mean, data check, he's missing fingers too. Right. You think maybe that would be an eye-opening experience, but no. Nope. operate a gun. Nope. No rock bottom for Roland. Um, so there's another um, moment too. While they pan back to the gang and they're mm -hmm. sitting around the fire, and they um, they talk about some park with the with the choo choo yes. train. Mm -hmm. um, and park. I I thought mm -hmm. that one was kind of important too because uh, he's like, wait, you know that? And then we get this moment where like you don't know what's coming quite yet, but then like Jake and and Callahan share a moment, and he's like, yeah, I, you know, I I know how that feels when you die. <laughs> Yes. Well, I mean, two things. First of all, that's a callback to a place we've actually been in the books. Mm -hmm. um, that's where we saw the little Charlie the Choo Choo train in in uh, Topeka in the beginning of Wizard and Glass. Um, and then you're right. Like, there's a moment where he's like, here's where it happened. And only Jake, who has been through the same experience, they have, like, this moment of, like, understanding, mutual understanding. But then Jake, like, throws, like, a <laughs> trump card down and is like... Uh... No, wait until the second time. Right. <laughs> Callan's like, oh, no, it can't happen again. Although he got off so easy. We'll get into it, but he got off so easy compared to Jake. Jake had it so much worse. He remembers both of his deaths and went crazy. And Callahan just saw, like, when is the light, Caroline? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he got yelled at by a few people, but like, yeah. I guess was, that's true. <laughs> it was fairly smooth. Um, Yeah. And so that we haven't gotten to it yet, but he basically is alluding to like what happened to him and how he ended up going, mm -hmm. I guess, 19 or whatever to, you know, uh, to transition to where he's at now. Yeah. And, um, 
And uh, well, uh, I will jump into that. No, yet. let's well, let's move forward because like you got to the letter. Let's let's pick up at the letter. But there, so the last moment I want to talk about before we move to the letter is that um, after Jake like kind of doubles the death toll, um, Callahan's like, I'm gonna need something uh, stronger than this uh, apple cider I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. And like you just picture this like classy moment where like Roland rolls him a cigarette and then yeah. like slides it over. And like everybody stops for a minute with a quiet like. All right, let's continue. <laughs> you know, it's like uh-huh. it's that level of like imagination going into this. Um, so basically, the shelter um, lighthouse receives this like letter. Apparently, this corporation, the Samba Corporation, is going to have to give money at the end of the year in order to like meet some tax deadline and like a write-off so they've picked 10 organizations with which to to send this money out to and the thing is is that um colin like had bounced around trying to uh you know dodge the low men and if he saw you know anything that was even referenced to his name he would usually move on um but uh he hasn't really seen anything in quite a while and right. so he's kind of like let his guard down. Yep. Uh, plus, we've come to understand that he like sort of uh, lost his ability to really see the lower tier vampires. So um, I think he's not he, he's not seeing the roads like the highways anymore. He's also just not really paying attention to him yeah he's not looking oh, okay. anymore right. i wasn't sure if like he'd lost his ability to see him or if he just wasn't really hmm, paying attention because there's a, a moment where when he first gets out of the um out of jail where he's like occasionally i saw you know a hundred dollar bill with what's his name on it um uh-huh. but like otherwise i think i was pretty much staying in the same you know in the same world whatever yeah. across the board and then like the watering holes and like the a la carte, you know, um, you weren't really, uh, he wasn't like seeing or looking for vampires, but maybe mm-hmm. it's just not looking for, um, he said he would see them occasionally, but he was just, he didn't, he no longer would pursue them anymore. Like at that point, he's so just relapsed into his addiction. Mm-hmm. I just think he's, he, all he's doing is just like putting one foot in front of the other one drink in front of the other. Um, and then when he comes out of it, like, he's again so self-focused on his recovery and just kind of like putting one foot in front of the other like he's kind of left this life and that obsession that he like he traded addictions when he switched from drinking to hunting vampires and now he's kind of like left that life behind and it's allowed him to lull himself into this false sense of security that you know like now maybe God has forgiven him and he's back on trial basis. Well, that's what I wanted worry. to, uh, that's what I was kind of angling towards is um, oh, the that's event that they were having was like held on church property. And like mm. previously, this was a space that, you know, he would not dare to go to because he'd forsaken his, his, um, you know, faith. And so I, I was bringing this up because I wanted to know how you felt about, or if you thought that he had sort of like, found redemption and had been accepted somewhat back into the fold during this transition? Uh, I mean, I, he, he has not gone into an actual church, which he says, um, you know, I'm not really sure. I wasn't I'm sure either. Really sure. I remember the gym being like part of a church or it something is, like that. It is, but it's not like inside the actual church. Oh, church. okay. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah, I, maybe so I'm like reading I, too much into it. Well, I mean, I think he's kind of, 
I don't think you're reading too much into it because I think it's meant to be ambiguous. I think that's the entire part. Like he's not testing it, Mm -hmm. but he's allowing himself to believe that maybe he's redeemed himself. And I think in that, and then that ultimately lets him let down his guard. Yeah. And, And so on the guard situation, like what he doesn't realize since he's not been paying attention is that like, finally someone got wise to like his normal routine and they've like made a better trap. And and so uh, do we know the significance of of Richard? uh, What is it? Sear? Sayer? So Richard Sayer is the CEO of Sombra. That's all we know so far. Okay. okay. Do you think we're going to get more? I mean, especially considering he has the bloody eye thing. The name sounded familiar. So I was trying to remember what I knew about him and wasn't sure if that was post or pre. But there's a lot of corporate stuff. So I think that he'll play a role in some of that. Okay. Uh, so his name's on the letterhead that's sent to him, and it's like very nice paper. And so mm-hmm. th- it's and it's not just addressed to Colin; it's addressed to all three of the folks that are kind of running Lighthouse. So mm-hmm. they kind of like debate back and forth and and talk about it and decide, you know what, we're gonna go to this meeting. And and he says the time for the meeting is like four thirty in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and like. Immediately, the gang stops. They're like, "That's an odd time for it was a meeting." Four twenty, or yeah, four twenty in the afternoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, is it you know, like most shops close up around five. So, <laughs> what yeah. are they doing? Having you come in like right at the end of the workday? Yeah. You know, that's so it's like when you get called into a meeting at like four forty on a Friday afternoon. You're like looking for the armed guard because you're just, just waiting start to be escorted packing up out. My, my desk. <laughs> right. Oh. Um, yeah. So, so it is kind of weird, and then. They kind of, I guess they get one of the guy's moms involved and she's like, here's the exact time to go to a meeting. Like you need to be five minutes in advance. And like, um, they, they all buy like nice shoes and get their finest shirts. Like, uh, you know, not top notch compared to this, uh, fancy place they're going into, but, uh, you know, pretty good for these guys. And they roll in and there's this moment where (laughs) he's like, he stops, he's like, describing how swank the inside of this is yeah and then is like an add-on he's like have you have you ever met a woman that's so beautiful that like <laughs> if, if she touched you like it would be the best or like you know change your life forever he's You're like that's what they're forever like, or something yeah <laughs> yeah it's like that's what her their admin tech look like and like and eddie like uh starts laughing and then looks over at Susanna and she's like uh-uh buddy <laughs> He goes straight face. It's like, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, this is Stephen King humor. What are you going to do? What I mean, I, do? you know, I kind of smirked a little bit too, <laughs> but, it, but it's, um, <laughs> but the, the weird thing is, so like he's, wa- they're walking through this place and like in high, we're getting the story sort of in hindsight, but also mm-hmm. as it's happening, and the hindsight is like he's looking around and he's like all these people, business moving around, you know, it's sort of um, remember that Adventure Time episode where they unfreeze the businessmen and the businessmen are just running around going like business, 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 business. <laughs> and they like get typewriters out and they're like typewriter business, business, <laughs> you know, like he's describing this like entire office of like a door opens and you can hear copying machines running and people like wandering from cubicle to cubicle and like just murmurs and like paperwork shuffling. And it, he's like, man, you know, they really like, it's, I don't not believe that they're a corporation. 
He's like, we did our, as much due diligence as we can. They are based out of um, like the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they are very secretive about their books and they do make a lot of money. And, and he's like, in hindsight, you know, you look around and it's like, well, uh, this is a very extremely elaborate <laughs> ploy for, you know, just little old me. And there's a moment, too, where like Eddie's like when he's asking about the the due diligence they did on this company, um, he's like, oh, well, you know, I knew a drug dealer from the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, you know, he didn't dress nice. <laughs> it's like, I wonder yeah. if you worked for these guys, you know, and, and you're getting these uh, again, tie ins back to each of the characters minus yep. Roland. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that was why I uh, dropped back to that little diatribe. But the crazy thing is, it's like they walk into this room. There's 13 people hanging out in the room. And this is where I have like a couple of things written down because I wanted to to um, ask you, Rachel. Like, okay, I'll try. <laughs> so the, the first thing here is the, the 13 people in the room is like, is that significant for some reason? Like, because usually it's night. Stephen King's thing is 19 in these series. So is 13 just our traditional unlucky number? Or is that like? Well, I mean, there's 13. I mean, there's the black 13. Oh, okay, right? okay. There we go. Thank you. That's what I was and, trying to lean for. Is I couldn't remember which thing it was associated with it. And the black thirteen is perfect because what we we will. F- oh fuck! Can I I can't say that. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Damn it. The, um, okay. Well, uh, hold that thought. Write yep, that put down. Put a pin. Thirteen. Um, the thirteen. Got it. The the bloody eye on the forehead, and yep. that's all I can say about that until okay. we move on. <laughs> um, because I just uncovered my own thing that I actually accidentally already knew. Okay. <laughs> oh crap! All right. Well, uh, disregard that then. Other than those are key features to underline. Okay. Um, Excellent. Underlined. So. Did you have another question? You said you had other. You'd written down some questions. Yeah, well, I did. Def- I wanted. I, I basically underlined the. You red answered all your own questions on yeah. the eye and the thirteen. Mm-hmm. The yeah. next stuff comes uh, later when we get to the door. Um, yeah. So uh, I do have a, a couple of questions and some comments okay. for that. Um, okay. I don't actually normally write my own notes down. I just do it off of the. I cuff, know this guys. is exciting. So <laughs> this is like the first time I've actually uh, scribbled some stuff down like uh there's a moment where they say uh Wittishins. okay and i had I think, to go i had to go yeah. look that up Ooh, um, did you find something out yeah yeah uh it's uh it's a um a scottish word um in the traditional language for uh going reverse the sun or being unlucky oh and so that's a great word Wittishins. Yeah, Wittishins, and like uh yeah I, I caught that like but that's down the road we'll get to that so okay, okay. um so basically like what happens is like like a bad super villain <laughs> the the guy like pulls his hat off has like a bloody eye in the middle of his forehead yeah. and then reveals his entire plan <laughs> yeah 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 he does he, like, diatribe. a bit yeah 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 he's like uh see these guys over here and these guys over here, they got the uh, they got the AIDS, and they're gonna bite you, and then you'll have the AIDS too, and you'll be dead in every universe forever. Ha <laughs> ha! Evil glass fingers, and like the part that's fun is like um, Talia doesn't even like stop to let him finish his diatribe. He's like, "Fuck, I'm out." <laughs> <laughs> 
it's like just, every good sort of like gif like I, my favorite gifs are the ones where people just like stand up and step out of one time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i use them a lot in our discord with the uh, our un our other discord <laughs> like some someone will say something and i'm just like you know what out the I'm window out. <laughs> yeah and so basically like uh what happens is his the two people that are with him immediately get shocked um this guy like starts to unveil his plan and call in just jets for the window and like the first time he's prayed in years, he prays to God that the window is not made out of unbreakable glass. Right. And he's, that would have been very embarrassing. <laughs> as he's running, the our bad guy goes from like, ah, ha ha, I win, to like scared and oh shit. And then, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, wait, what? And like, but he, but he's jumping out the window, and and he flies out the window, and there's a mm-hmm. moment where he back up to um. To I, mean, him. I think I understand why, and we'll get into that. Yeah, but yeah, do, uh, yeah. But um, but when he's falling down, like this is where like there's another little brief conversation with him and Jake, and Jake's like, "No, I remember all of the pain," and like yeah. he's like, "No, I looked down at my new shoes, and then like I was flying, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, what's his name's sister was yelling at me." about you know uh, how i ruined his life and uh then um you know my friend from the home was there like asking why i didn't save him and then like boom i'm in this like pastoral barn like yeah sitting there like in the hay hanging out now i've made several big jumps across uh multiple yeah, sections don't say. so <laughs> i like to wheel this back rachel hand it yeah. over to you and let you dive deeper into the things that I um, yeah. over. There's just a couple of quick little things I wanted to point out. I think there's a really cute character moment when um, he talks about how okay, so he basically talks about how this was like a perfect sort of honey trap, right? That mm-hmm. it's this very seductive idea of doing good, but greed is still greed regardless of what the sort of intentions uh, are. painted over intentions are. Exactly. Which is a great callback to later and the way that Black 13 works, which I guess mm. we can talk about more when that comes up. But essentially, it, it uses this idea of kind of weaponizing good intention um, to create chaos. But there's a moment, just like a small little detail where he says something about like, you know, this would have been so amazing, particularly during the Reagan years. And it's this callback and this payoff for a previous joke where Eddie said that Ronald Reagan was the president and Susanna refused to believe him. And so she kind of like jumps when he says it. And Eddie like looks at her like, ha ha, told you. And I don't know. It was a cute character moment. Yes. <laughs> so it's just like a good little character moment I wanted to point out. Um the other thing is, um, I love the the setup of how when he's going in and you find out that all of this has just been this like very elaborate set dressing, that it's very likely that all of these people like hustling and bustling around the office pretending to be working were actually just this ruse. And it speaks to, sort of subtly speaks to the importance of catching Callahan, that they are so determined to get their get him and to trap him and not let him slip through their fingers again that they put on like a whole production it's not just luring him to a place but they need to make sure that they get him into this room corralled where there's no way out and that takes a lot of planning and effort and presumably money all of those kinds of things and it sort of subtly speaks to the importance of catching him um as for jumping out the window so you had pointed out that 
they were going to kill him by way of of basically making him contract HIV virus. Um, and so the question is like, okay, so if they're just going to catch him and do this, why not just kill him? And I think the difference is that as we know in this world, an abrupt death does not always equal an abrupt death. A slow death, that's an end. But an abrupt death can just open a door to like someone moving forward into another level of the tower. And so I think that's kind of what's happening here is they're trying to prevent him from leaping worlds. And then when he goes running, does the runner out the window, that's exactly what they were trying to avoid was him having a fast death like that. See, that's an interesting take because um, when we get to the next section, it's almost like he was waiting for him to show up and you would think that he would be in charge of that. So why would he be waiting for him to show up if he assumed that his plan would have worked from the get-go or was his plan to double fake? Well, I mean, I think, yeah, I think the job of the low men was to get him here so that he could do this. They don't know that. I don't think they're in the loop of what they're meant to do, but it's quite obvious that MIB, Man in Black, knew what was going to happen because he's literally waiting for him at the way station. Um, I think that's like upper management versus middle management. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> business, business, business. Business, business, business. Mm, so, uh, synergy. Uh, let's get on all the stakeholders. Yeah, uh, K- uh, KPIs, please. Can I just tell you, there are a few things in life I enjoy less than business speak. <laughs> oh, like no one is more self-important than someone who's using business, the lingo. I'm just like, oh, uh, I work with like two people that um, <gasps> there's like a management um, like uh, ring knockers type of club mm-hmm. where like you go in each week and each of them like learns more business speak and project management guru guide information and like uh, more acronyms to toss around and they come back like giddy to just use these like dripping acronyms in every single sentence and it's like man i gotta keep a flow chart of all of the stupid three and four letter things that you're throwing out there (laughs) that don't really even answer any questions you're just like Hey, have you thought about your KPIs? Like, ROIs. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, well, what's the uh, fourth level of the whatever chart for so-and-so? And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what that's about. It drives me crazy. I try to, like, not be in places where that's a thing, but occasionally it'll happen in meetings, and I'm just like, it's uh, people who have realized the uselessness of their particular position and have decided <laughs> to bathe in a mask of obscure acronyms yeah, in order it's... to prevent you from seeing through the veil that they're just like twiddling their thumbs in their office and not replying yeah. to their email. It's an existential cry for help. <laughs> 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 All right. Anyway, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else in this section I wanted to touch on. I mean, I do like that we get our first real good description of the low men. You know, we we've heard about them kind of slinking around on the edges and like their loud clothing and their loud colored cars, things like that. But this is the first time we get a description of their faces. And he describes them as um, their heavy, unhealthy looking faces, red glinting eyes and full womanish lips. All three are smoking. It's just so a cool, like evocative moment. You really can see them around this table and it kind of conjures up sort of almost like 
this 80s era sci-fi corporate know, it feels like world. a french bad guy like anytime you watch a mm, like a french cartoon mm, the bad guy mm, is mm. like has really big lips and is like kind of like sweaty mm. and smoking see i'm thinking like robocop or alien where like all the corpos are sitting around just like puffing cigarettes like that's what i thought of but i i see what you're saying like i can almost see like an animated version of it. Hold yeah. on, I'm looking up French bad guys. Yep, yep. That's a <laughs> so like the the peak of this style is if you look at the um the angry chef from uh, Ratatouille. Like <laughs> I don't even need to look it up. I know what you're talking tiny about. Tiny head, like big, overly sized <laughs> lips. And As like a it, French person, I'm deeply offended. <laughs> no, I'm not really. I don't care. Um, okay. Uh, and then just I love the non-bleeding red dot on the forehead. Like King is just so creative. Just the shit he comes up with in this moment. It's so creepy. And just, I don't know. Like, what is the inside of his head like? It's wild up there, man. It's wild. Man, now I'm just scrolling through French bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> the, the tiny mustache is also like a common oh, yeah. theme for the Oh yes. Oh, yeah. Something like with a curly Q situation on the ends. Yeah. Soccer <laughs> um, blur. So uh, basically, after like some flashy lights, he wakes up in a, what we come to find out is basically the same place. Mm, the way uh, station. The, yep. The way station. And like Rachel, before the podcast, I was asking her because um, there's a moment here where Stephen King like rattles off the entirety of the serial number of this Lemurk Industries machine. And I was like, what the hell? This has got to be important. And Rachel was able to, like, pull this back to the time that, you know, Jake made it to the way station. So that's full circle. And we also um, we also get this moment where, uh, and this is interesting. Uh, it doesn't sound interesting until you uh, unpack it. But there's a note on there that says, do not remove slug. Ask for assistance. And I was like, do not remove slug. Do not remove slug. What is that? Okay. Yeah, what is that? Um, so if you are an electrical worker, one of the things that they do to industrial equipment is if the equipment isn't working correctly or keeps tripping offline, the older folks in previous generations would put what they call the slug in place of the fuse. And a slug mm. is just a large, heavy piece of brass, copper, or metal that will never trip offline um, and instead will let the equipment get damaged uh, regardless of whether there's a fault or not. Um, so, you know, you're basically changing out a protected system for an unprotected system. And that's a very unique call out that Stephen King did there with the whole like, you know, do not remove slug, ask for assistance because it's like, wait, wait. Why would you even say that? And it's like, oh, this whole thing is broken and running on empty and like in danger of exploding. Mm -hmm. And it's like a kind of a fun metaphor for the actual universe itself. You know, like everything. Yeah, oh, like, for sure. Exactly. And so I, I was like, OK, well, if that's subtle, then like what else? And so he kind of that thing starts pumping. He, he gets some fresh water and then he's looking around his surroundings and he realizes that there's just a door. And this is just like some of the doors that we had um, previously mm -hmm. that the rest of the gang came through. It's like floating with the hinges going into nothing. Um, he can walk all the way around it. And this is where the, the, the term Wittishens comes in. Cause he's going around the door one way and like looking at it, seeing that it just opens into nothing and disappears. 
And then he Wittishins back the other way. <laughs> and it's yep. like that that's the unlucky slash counter the sun rotation in Scottish. So that's mm-hmm. another moment where Stephen King's like, this is dangerous. So we, you know, we had a 13, we had a Wittishish or Wittishins, mm. and we mm-hmm. have this like slug in the machine. All of these like narrative points that are like, ooh, ooh spooky, spookier, spookiest. Um, if, you, if you get all the references, I don't, you know. No, I love it. See, the, I didn't pick up on all of this. So this is, these are fresh ideas and I like it. I like it The other lot. thing that I wanted to talk about, because strangely he gets fresh water and then like he walks over and it's like someone left out some, some fine jerky for him. And so he just like grabs a piece of jerky and starts eating. And you're like, wait, what? That's a move. That's a bold move. Yeah, and that's so, a, that is a dried meat, and you don't know what kind of meat that is. That could be people meat. That could be dog meat. Well, that- so here's the thing, though. So remember uh, back when the gang got ejected from the Crystal Palace? Yeah. And they had, like, little lunches made for them? Yes. And, like, this is that all over again, where it's mm. like, you just came through, you did your thing. Give me my lunch. Yeah, you got to get your little snack. You got to build up your, you got to have energy for what's about to happen next. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. Yeah, and so. Um, I was th- trying to see if there was anything about, like, uh, Jake leaving foods, but there was not. <laughs> I. It's very, there are actually quite a few little Easter eggs here. When he when he wakes up, he wakes up to the smell of, like, almost like ghost hay, essentially, which is both a metaphor for a world that has moved on, but also something that Roland also kind of notices when he wakes up in the way station. He goes through the experience of feeling the heat and the thirst, just like Roland did. He's wearing clothing that sounds exactly like what Roland was wearing. Um, we obviously get the machine and drinking the water. What's interesting, though, is there is a difference. There actually is a difference between the machines. So in this book, the ta- the the code the thing has that code and it's made by Lemurk. Mm-hmm. In the gunslinger, they reference North Central Positronics. Oh. And I don't know. And this one's Lemurk Industries. Yes. So, so I don't they're know. not the same machine. They're, they are and they aren't because we go as we move forward, we see Roland and we see we see um, Jake, but the machine has changed. And I don't know if it's an error. I don't know if it's intentional. I don't. And that's the thing is like King has set up this world where it doesn't matter <laughs> because he can paper over it. No problem. Well, I guess. Yeah, you could say like, well, no, he's in a different universe than the right? other universe. So like, it's fine. But it's like, yep. wait a minute. That's why I was wondering, because it's like. This is so specific, but I thought I thought it was a positronic system previously. So yep. then I I'm like, well, okay, this has got to mean something, and that that's why I went on the deep dive about the slug is because I was like, well, okay, maybe that's what we're supposed to be thinking about. And then uh-huh. also, uh, AA45 is a, a plane crash at some point. That's American oh. Airlines uh, Flight 45, I believe. Um, <laughs> so yeah. that's in the middle of the, and I, so I was like. I was really grasping at straws to link that serial number to something. That's as good as I got. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, it's clear that he's making very intentional allusions between the two. And so it's interesting that this one detail that he really highlights is where it deviates. Like he even references like 
when when the man in black starts talking he's talking about like oh and his friend jake who is the housekeeper calls bama like that is in the section of the gunslinger like oh. he specifically is referencing a nickname that we have not heard since this section of the gunslinger so i i don't i don't know i'm curious listeners do you have a theory why would this one detail change hmm. why is it underlined and like in the text like you you listen to the audiobook but in the text because i i listen to the audiobook and read oh, i have the, the text in front of me as well <laughs> okay you see it has the like it's blocked out yeah yeah and, like, that's yeah it's like uh, dark and like emboldened and like uh, with separated. a rectangle around it. Yep. <laughs> it's literally circled. So why, listeners? Why? <laughs> you know, I I love a rabbit hole, and you know, I cannot resist a tinfoil hat moment. So it's probably nothing. It's probably just a mistake. But I'm like, this means something. I'm like, going full encounters of the third kind. This is important. This means something. I don't know if it's <laughs> it's super shady or not, but I there's like a there's some like kind of low rent website called wolves of the biz. What? And you basically like it has uh the entire Stephen King book and like it just changes its name from BIB like Wolves of the Kala to the next book's name really and like then you're just in the book again yeah here i'll post wow. the the in the uh, uh cast chat there's the link that's what i usually skim through i know you oh. have like an actual um oh, uh, I see. pdf or whatever but it feels like someone just like stole the entirety of the book yeah, they sure did and then put it on this <laughs> weird website where you just they click sure from did. chapter to chapter they sure did yeah no i have like a i have an actual ebook of it because i need to be able to search around in it you know so i was like screw it i'm just gonna buy it <laughs> so i now have a physical copy an audio book copy and an e-copy of these damn books yeah i um i usually scroll through here if i'm trying to figure out how to spell something because yeah. uh, i don't know like you know that what a shanks that's like a thing i don't, yeah i just couldn't read um, well i just there have been so many times you've asked me something and i'm like Oh, I'm not gonna like find it <laughs> live. So I was like, I need to have a physical copy of this. Um, okay. All right. So, so back on task. So yes. um he we've we've mentioned all these weird things that he finds when he gets there. Uh mm -hmm. he's inspected the door and then suddenly like there's a gentle call from the distance. And it's like Vada. Hey, hey Vada, how you doing, Vada? <laughs> and like you can tell it's like a, a little demeaning to the point where like uh Kalyan's like, Don't call me that. <laughs> Yep, 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 yep. And it's our boy Walter, aka Randall Flag, aka the man in black. Yeah, and this this like gets uh like meta because he's yeah. like we we know basically from like the references Stephen King gives us where we are in the arc of Roland and the rest of the gang, but also yeah. <laughs> in the arc of of Colin, and then like what's going on and like the man in black had to like circle back mm -hmm. behind them to right. capture this guy, but then get ahead of him again to like get him on the trail. And it like to the point where he points out, he's like, you see those folks there in the distance? Like you got some good eyes, Fada. Yeah. I mean, it just really points out the futility of Roland and Jake's attempt to chase down the man in black and to catch up with him. Like they're, Roland is working so hard to catch the man in black and just like cannot like 
cannot catch up with him. And now we know that he's just been toying with him. He literally is double backing and going, getting ahead of him. And uh, like, they never had a shot of catching up with the man in black who was toying with them and putting them in harm's way all along. Which means he could have saved Jake. Oh, the man in black. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) no. (laughs) But I mean, that's the thing. No. So Roland like didn't have to hustle to that. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. He did not have to hustle. I mean, he made a choice. You know, he made a choice and a pivotal choice that said everything about him, even though everything that's come after, like, we'll never forget the time he let Jake fall. Um, But yeah, so I don't know. That's that's interesting to me. Like it. Roland is such a force of will. Um, but to know that no matter what he did in this situation, he was never going to catch the man in black because he like, you know. The tortoise and the hare. He never had a... Sh- well, though, I guess the tortoise ultimately wins, but... So here's a weird question, because, like, this whole timeline thing kind of got me um, in in sort of a weird way, because what we know from that original storyline is that after Rowan leaves Jake, he's in the speaking circle for, like, a 100 years or something like that, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Um, so how does that get squared with all of this because like you know the whole thing that um that he's alluding to is that like he's got to stay out ahead of them so that they continue to chase him right but what's the deal with this pause for like a hundred years like is that i I guess i'm i'm wondering if steven king screwed up with that bit how so well, because why? I mean, like it sort of from this perspective, it almost sounds like, no, no, they he needs to keep chasing me unless the speaking circle is supposed to be a permanent trap that just didn't work. And this is like a Wiley Coyote situation where like he keeps putting traps out and they just keep not working. And so like he plans further and further ahead. Well, I mean, you see he has he has a moment of uncertainty when he's like, well, they'll die under the mountain. And if they don't die on the mountain, well, then they'll die on the Western Sea. And if that doesn't work, well, then I got this. And Callahan's like, do you, though? Do you? Um, as far as the 100 years, I mean. I don't know if it was 100 years. I know it was a very, we, we like, kind of speculated on how like long. Kind of like but it was a very years. long time. Because he ages, like, 10 years, and it's been 100 years. Yeah, Are you talking like about that. because, like, how does Callahan work in the 100 years thing? Well, no, no. So the man in black, okay, so if I remember that correctly, and feel free to tell me I'm wrong, because I could be. Um, now that we've moved this far ahead, it starts to, like, it's like the distance yeah. in a video game. The back starts totally. to fade a little bit. Oh, yeah. But, but I feel like, in my mind, that he, um, he like, catches him there and then we're left with Roland in a skeleton. Yeah. And so then does that mean that he came back and like then died with Roland in the speaking circle after everything else has already finished or like how does that square with him also being over here or is that like no. I don't know. And I guess I like know. that's the part where I feel like Stephen King may have like plot hold himself is I mean, here's the thing is i think that we don't know what a linear timeline looks like for man in black we do not know what order of things are happening for him because they he can jump all over the timeline so what he might be what looks like 
So are we maybe going with like the Kurt Vonnegut style of like he can move independently in and out of his own timeline across the board? I think he has his own timeline, but where it intersects with Roland and our story doesn't isn't necessarily linear. Okay. But also, without getting into spoilers, we know something that happens with the man in black later that would conflict with him being in the pile of bones outside that golden. Yes. <laughs> so that that is a different question. Like okay, there, okay. I think we may you have a legitimate question. I'm sorry. Him. Like I, I wasn't trying to go quite no, that no, no, far, no. but no, I was no, no. still just like, wait, what? And then like. He even alludes to his own death in this moment when like he's like, you know, uh, if you never see those guys because they die in the future, that's OK. You'll live this pastoral life thinking that you're like fulfilled and whatever. And mm -hmm. I'll be long gone before right. you pass on, you know. Right. So I don't totally I, I don't totally understand how that works. I do feel like it is one of those things where like King is just hand waving. Yeah. But it would make more sense if Walter and Flag were two different people. Mm -hmm. But it might be a situation where they are like it's like a like almost like a you know um triune god. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe he's both one identity but also multiple identities, and so he could end up a pile of bones with the Golgotha, and also end up later in the stories having a different sort of plot line. Um. But I don't really know. These are the kinds of things that King, I don't think, is ever like enumerated. But if I could ever get him alone and be like, all right, break it down. How does flag work? This, these are the questions that I would want answered for sure. Now, uh, I want to before we uh, move too far away from this, I, I want to like talk with you and I'm not going to um, revisit the entire conversation that they had together. But there's a moment where um, where Callahan's like, you're cruel. And yes. like, and the man in black, like genuinely is like hurt. Yeah. By I, I this. Think, yeah. I think it's, this is the most interesting part of this entire section for me is his reaction. And you're like, wait, what? Called. And he's like, you know, I, I didn't mean to hurt you. I just did do what is my nature. This is my job, man. Right? Just do my job. And like, I mean, his reaction to this, his reaction to, like uh, the blasphemy not, of the Ka, of Ka not being a thing. Oh uh, yeah, the blasphemy of Roland being above Ka. The blasphemy, or and also his reaction to like when he's like, "Well, I don't think you'll kill him. Maybe you can't kill him." And he's like, "Well, you know that that's up to Ka." You know, all those kinds of things are the first I feel like real peek we get behind the mask of him. Like there, this is the first time he's ever shown vulnerability, and I feel like the most real he's ever been in any of this. There are times where he seems to delight in cruelty, genuinely delight in it, the way that he would titter and giggle while doing awful things. Um, but to, so to see that there's some part of him that does not want to be seen as cruel, like, is interesting. And I don't totally understand it. Sorry. I have a cat that is attacking me right oh, now. Oh, I have attention. a dog that's back at me crying, too. So. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we're almost at the end. We're going to wrap this up soon. But, I mean, I think it's really interesting. Um, because so, I think it also kind of speaks to the, in some ways, the man in black is just as trapped in this, like, rat king of a mission that that Roland is. So I would like to point out that we had just talked about business previously. Yes, and business, like business. and uh, how the guy 
that sent uh, Callahan through the win- window was basically not told the entire story and was just yeah. doing his assignment. I feel uh-huh. like this is reflected up one level to another middle manager who like doesn't know what the big picture is. He's just doing his assignments. And when someone calls him cruel or that like the mission statement for the organization, which is cough is, is inaccurate. He's like, I defend our company, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, the other thing, I think is interesting in this because you're right. I do think that there's some degree of him. Because, you know, we always think of him as being the person that, yeah, like omniscient almost. Yeah, exactly. We always think of him as Um, omniscient. But like in this moment, we're shown that he's like just doing his job. And there's someone higher up the food chain than him that's in charge of the actual business. And also that he 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 doesn't. He doesn't have the confidence of knowing these things. Like there's a moment where that I thought was also really, really telling where he's like, when he gets angry about the blasphemy and he says, I know that the tower at the room at the em- top of the tower is empty. I know it. It's kind of telling that he doesn't just say it with like certainty, like the room at the top of the tower is empty. He says the room at the top of the tower is empty, comma, I know it. Which but he me, says it with like not the confidence of uh, actual knowing. I mean, it's the like protest too much energy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when you you see the underlying question mark, and the, there's a vulnerability in him that we never have seen before in this moment. And I I wish we had more time in this moment because I'm like, oh, I want to unpack this. I want to get in here and unpack this. And instead, he just pushes him through a door. You're like, damn it, this is just getting good. Now, uh, <laughs> speaking of door, there is one other thing I wanted to talk about with the door. And um, it's a misquote in this chapter from uh, I forget what the name of the author was. Uh, but the quote is um, a, a stone arose in an unfound door. But the uh-huh. actual quote from the author is a stone, a leaf in an unfound door. Yeah. So it, was that a purposeful misquote or. um hmm. Like what's going on there? Cause I, I I didn't know why, but I I'm familiar with the stone a leaf and a un unfound door as a quote. But I when I read it, I'm like, I don't think there was ever a rose in there. And then I read it again. I'm like, well, he says there's a rose. And then I did some Googling and like it took me to No Man's Sky where like someone had like yeah. taken a screenshot of <laughs> a rose a door and or a rose a rock in an unfound door. And uh and then I'm yeah. like well, no, the actual passage is, is a leaf. So, um, Hmm. That's interesting. I guess I, I knew that it was from this like sort of fictionalized memoir. Right. Yes. But I don't, I don't, that's interesting that it's like a, an almost like intentional re like paraphrase, paraphrasing of, of something. I don't know. Okay, I don't that, know. I'm sorry. I don't oh, have an answer. Okay. <laughs> But that was what was like. The, um, there's like runes around the door, and that was like one of the things that came from. Yeah, the, no, him you're right. The door that I was like, well, wait a minute. And then we get a reference to another writer um, towards the end of this chapter too. That don't let me forget to, to okay. talk about. Um, okay. But yeah, so you know, last things last. He pushes him through the door, and like we already know what happens on the other side from previous tales. Um, basically, the the 
two Manny folk are there um, and they manage to shut the door and then they bring him back to health by like dripping chicken noodle soup down his throat. And like, there's a moment where Eddie asks like, how many wives does he have? <laughs> and you're like, what? And he's like, and like, Colin doesn't even think anything of it. He's like, he has three, but there's a weird thing about like the position of the stars before he can court each one of them. And like, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then like just like rolls past it and you know like eddie you horn dog <laughs> and he's like mm, this isn't relevant information relevant could i uh could i be a manny someday maybe uh mm-hmm. he can hardly handle Susanna. are you kidding oh <laughs> uh, yes oh, oh and no, so basically we we get him uh, as like a working man in this village where he he basically wanders around and like there's plenty of work the harvests are apparently going really well and eventually like he starts to preach a little bit and i don't remember what all the religions were but there's uh there's one where he's like do you, do you know the buff roland and like Roland's like, uh, yes, I do. I am familiar with the the Buffalo church or whatever. He's like, I, and then he like daydreams a little bit about once having to like fight one of their preachers oh, in the nude kill. or something like that. Kill. Like, kill one of the, he killed one of the preachers. I'm like, in, of in course, Roland's memory is of a murder. But no, I mean, he, the buff is, he's referring to the Buffalo. He's not. Oh, okay. I thought he was in the buff. <laughs> like, no, but I did actually like I did note this because I just love how King just sort of sees in these little world building details. Like he doesn't explain it, he doesn't deep dive. He's just like, Oh yes, I'm familiar with the man of the buff and uh but I did kill one once. <laughs> we also Christ. get these like two weird um little descriptions of the the Todash state that Colin's gone in. And one is a basically like a recap back to a, a finishing moment of the book that he originated in um where like the kids that he saved are there like officiating a funeral and there was another um there was another uh author reference in there too but i don't remember what the author's name was do you Mm, where was it where in the what were they doing they they were like officiating over a funeral um oh and like he was there to watch it and they mentioned the author, but I forgot what the author's name was. And I wanted to know if that was significant or not, but it, it may not be. I found the funeral. Oh, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Let's see if it's an author. Sorry. I'm, oh, I'm that's okay. Uh, the air dance guy. Oh, yeah, here we yeah, go. Yeah, the air dance guy. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I'm trying to find it, but I don't see it. That one, they specifically like sort of hand wave referenced the author, and then like everybody agreed that that was the right person, and then they moved on. And I was like, well, wait, what? How, am I supposed to know that? Oh, wait a minute. I think Ben Mears wrote, the character wrote Air Dance. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So it's an in-world reference. That's okay. what it is. All right, all right. That's what I was trying to figure out, because I... Look for the author or the so name says, of the book or whatever, and I couldn't find it. Okay, so Air Dan- Ben Mir's novel Air Dance, when described by Susan Norton, sounds an awful like uh, an awful lot like Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, so yeah, okay. it's an in-world reference. There you go. Okay, Boom! thank you. Good job. Way to fast yes. Google. 
<laughs> Fastest Googling fingers in the West. I have a king, uh, a key slinger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we get that one to Dash State, and um, that one's like um, sort of like a vindication. Uh, the people he saved like turned out to be um, good characters, and like um, that was a worthwhile endeavor to save him. Um, and then we get this other Dash State where he basically like goes to see um, wh- what basically the, the the Crimson King's castle. Yeah, but like he's like it's dark outside. We don't talk about dark things in the dark. Yeah, you know it was messed up if Calhan's like, Mm-mm, not after sunset, bro. Yeah, and he's like, you know, there's crows, but that's all I'll say. You know, it's like, okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, and then, you know, we find out, too, that the Black 13 has been, like, still, like, not just speaking to Roland, but was speaking to him, like, like whispering in his ear that it's like, what if you, um, you know, if you just, like, touched this and, like, you could travel and maybe you could go, I don't know, save JFK or just, like, travel and never come back and it's interesting because and the reason i bring this up is first of all like Susanna knows who jfk is like he was a good man you know possibly a gunslinger like but then eddie is like well you know maybe his death like prevented some other thing from happening that could have been even worse than what did happen you know and and like you don't know what those dominoes would have unraveled but the other thing Thing. I have theories. Right. <laughs> so the other thing, though, is um, Black 13. No, nope. I can't talk about this one either. Never mind. Uh, well, let's talk about my conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah. Then. Lay it on it. Okay. Lay it on me because right. I, I got back to the whole um, red eye thing that I can't mm, talk about yet. Mm-hmm. Yes, no. So I don't know if you remember this early on, but I read you a conspiracy theory about JFK um, in the Dark Tower world. And I think that he was a gunslinger, right? That he was actually John Farson. Oh, really? The good man. I did not know. Yes, it was a very early episode where it was like basically a traumatic. um, I'm sure I probably vaguely know that because you told me, but it's. I mean, we're talking like first 10 episodes and we have done 80 since then. So I do not actually expect (laughs) you to totally remember this. Sorry. But. Basically, a traumatic death can lead people to like step through worlds. Hello, a la Callahan, a la Jake, all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So there is a conspiracy theory that the good man, aka John Farson, is actually JFK who's come through and like there's all this supporting evidence for it. And this moment when I heard this, I was like, ding, 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 ding. Because the first thing that Susanna says is he was a good man. And I was like, the good man. So And then I started thinking about, like, well, why would Black 13 want to stop the assassination of JFK? Like, why would this be one of these supposedly good things that would actually lead to evil and chaos? And then you think about the role that John Farson has in Roland getting out onto the road and joining, like, basically taking on the quest to save the tower. Without the good man causing the war, killing his father, causing all of these this havoc in Gilead, there's a chance that Roland never would have joined the quest for the tower, and the tower could fall. Mm. Boom. JFK. Nailed it. I like it. And Because I was like, dude, he's obsessed with JFK. And then it, like, clicked into my head, like, oh. And so there's that whole book about what would happen if that happened. Like, I think it's a linchpin moment in the multiverse timeline. Doesn't... That if John Farson doesn't come to Gilead 
everything falls. Doesn't Stephen King also have a book that's like a date and it's a JFK yeah. book? 11, 11, Okay. Yeah. I it's thought so. all about, all about using time travel to, to prevent JFK um, from being killed. Hmm. I haven't read it, but uh, I know that it, it has the Loman in it. Does it? It does. It. You can go watch the movie or the There's miniseries. A There's a miniseries. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Hmm. It has, yeah, it has James Franco in it, though, which is kind of a bummer. He's like the main character in it, but it's actually pretty good. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. maybe that's right. on, my, on my list. Of yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, let's see. So we talked about Stephen King. We talked about the quartet. Um, I think the last reveal or last yeah. two reveals actually are. Are you yeah. ready for them? I'm ready. Lay them on me. Okay. So uh, first thing I alluded to this earlier, but um, we, we kind of all already knew this, but the, the two, uh, what is it? Gay caca from yawn. Am I saying that correctly? The the like the, that was their like their weird. Um, Are you? Do you smell toast? Are you having a stroke? <laughs> no, it was, it was like the Yiddish statement. The uh, yeah, no, I know. I, I'm probably saying it incorrectly. I don't. I, I vaguely You're remember. You're doing fine. I'm kidding. Uh, no strokes here. Uh, but basically, like um, we we suss out that that was Calvin Tower and Aaron from the uh, from the store that we've the bookstore that we've already like come across multiple times and in the previous New York's and in like, you know, Jake's world and so on. So that one was like, you kind of already knew, but it, it finally is like, yep, that's definitely what's going on. And then the big reveal is actually that everybody, including Susanna basically knows that Susanna is pregnant <laughs> And like Susanna finally just says it out loud. She says like she's with the family, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> or in a family way, maybe in a family way. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's not really a shock to the rest of the gang because they've all been like keeping this secret from each other. And <laughs> this is probably the moment where like finally the cards are bare and like maybe we can fix the quartet as it's God, been a so. broken and sideways event for this entire time. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then cliffhanger and yep. And that's end it. of chapter. It's such a weird place to leave it, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's deeply sad that sh- the way that this is delivered, um, just like kind of kicks it out the door right at the end. Yeah. It's like, oh no, uh, we don't take uh, we don't take that here. Like, go ahead and put it like at the end. Why? Why not? Yeah, I mean, King knows how to keep you reading. I guess I don't know, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I as sad as the delivery of this information is, it does give me hope that maybe they can get on the same page because they're gonna need to be caught head again if they're gonna survive all the things ahead of them. You know, like the wolves are one thing, but after that, they got to go to Thunderclap. So they need to get their shit together. So so I think that's good. Hopefully Roland will have learned something from the last time his quartet almost fell apart. Um, and when he was keeping things secret. Um, in this case, I don't know how altruistic his choices to keep this its secret are, which are not do not look great for him. Mm hmm. Um, he's pissing me off, <laughs> but you know, what are you going to do? Like if everybody's getting along all the time, where's the tension? Where's the dramatic tension in that? Right. I don't know. what do you think of this chapter? Uh, you know, it, it was good. Um, the, I think the problem I have with the call in story is like, you have to take it as an entirety. And yeah. so breaking it up means that like, 
you have you have a chapter that basically has the climax to the entire story. <laughs> yeah. And, and then you have the chapter where it was the buildup. So like, or the sections where it was the buildup. So uh, I like this one more than the last one, but I say that only because, you know, yeah. we finished it in parts instead of the whole thing as mm -hmm. a whole from start to finish. I thought his story was good, but quite long and yeah. probably could have yes. been its own book. Um, <laughs> right like it like at any point during the story of Callahan, like you could have gone uh more human tragedy deeper in like all of his events the people he meets and like spread out one tier level out and probably had a decent 400 page book that would have explained mm -hmm. like this wandering time in his life and maybe that exists mm -hmm. and I just don't know about it. But um, this was like a very condensed Reader's Digest version of what that could be and be probably pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I, I think it's meant to be sort of like juxtaposed against Roland's story to some degree. Like there's a moment at the end where he like lays out this idea of the way that Black 13 manipulates is to trick you into doing bad by making you feel like you're doing something like good like the greatest good the ultimate good and it's not dissimilar to what roland thinks that he's doing and is doing um and so like when he's just like hmm. like a yeah i think he's described as like a dry twig and a snapping in a fire or something like that <laughs> i was just like you're getting called out roland you're getting called out but yeah i i i did actually like this um chapter quite a bit because i i do there's parts of his story like there's like all the sort of like he's back to drinking and in this cycle blah 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 like that is not the most compelling but the way that this ended was pretty rad i loved the boardroom with the low men and the vampires i loved the running into the man in black and seeing how that really complicates the timeline and the narrative around that whole first book was really interesting. I love a pullback and like re sort of contextualize and whenever that happens, like in a movie or in a story. So I liked that quite a bit and um, I'm glad we're done with the story. I'm ready to see what happens next. I'm ready to get into present day. Like let's get, to, let's deal with these wolves. Let's get into it. And I feel like we're headed towards that now. Finally. Yeah, definitely. Um, also uh, one takeaway from this for everyone is like, if you're having a real bad day, check your pants. If they're not full of poop, you're not doing too bad. Hey, guess what? I'm having a great day. 100%. <laughs> 10 out of 10, no poops in my pants. Nailed All right. It. Good job. <laughs> I am nailing life. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Okay. So next episode, we're going to be going into part three, The Wolves, chapter one, Secrets. So that should be good. I'm excited about secrets. I'm excited about wolves. Let's do this. All right. Listener question. Last time we asked what elements you absolutely want included in the new Flanagan adaptation for it to be considered successful in your opinion. We got tons of amazing answers. So now I want to flip it. I want to know what is the thing. Like some people are like, I want it exactly how it is in the book. Beat for beat. I disagree. I think that needs some changes. So I'm curious for people, bla like an unpopular blasphemous opinions are welcome. What would you want changed? What do you want left out to improve and make for a good adaptation? Um, we did get some answers. Okay. What do we got? All right. Let me pull it out. Do you have, do you have an answer? Um, 
You know, I think I did when you asked me this question probably <laughs> last year. And then Ooh, now I'm like, uh, well, shoot, what do we had to real <laughs> drag me, drag me. Um, okay, let's see here. I will go to our listener questions. Okay. Um, so, okay. All right. So, so I'm going to say this right now. We like to warn you guys about spoilers. <laughs> there are going to be spoilers in here. Like, real big end of book stuff you hear that squishy so, noise that's uh me leaking blood onto the ground to let you know that my eyes splash, are bleeding. splash so if you are not someone who has read the books or you haven't read them recently like myself and have forgotten a lot of stuff and you don't want it spoiled this is your chance to bounce we'll see you in two weeks when we're back with our next episode but if you're comfy with spoilers we're getting into them right about now <laughs> okay <laughs> so brandon says i honestly hope the climax of the dark tower like i said these are major spoilers people is more action-packed than book seven made it out to seem i would love to see a suspenseful talk between roland and red king before they duke it out and basically the same thing with roland and mordred i mean same yeah fair i um i think uh, in that vein i would and this is again still in the spoiler zone. I would love to not have the literal Stephen King written into the book series. Correct. That is that's also the correct answer. Yes. Fucking annoying. I mean, mm-hmm. if there's one thing you could drop from this series, like you spent all this time going through the whole thing, and then you're like, did you just write yourself into this, you bastard? Yeah. I mean, like, I get. I'm I'm trying to keep an open mind because we're exploring. We're going through these books again. And I hated it the first time, but I'm like, okay, now that I've really deep dived, am I going to appreciate it this time? Well, and every time, like, I cringe a little bit when they're like, uh, you know, and the king. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, especially knowing what 19 is. You're just like, yeah. Okay, so Tim said, oh, sorry, Brandon also added same. Uh, In fact, I think they could cut the whole thing. With Patrick, the artist, can go away, and I'd be fine with that. The resolution of the Red King ended up looking silly. Oh, sorry, that was Chris responding to Brandon. Um, Tim says, as little Mia as possible. Same, same. It's always felt like the momentum screeched to a halt when her parts came up in the books. They were great, but they were kind of long and slow. I'd also be okay with Oi being the one who climbs the tower or at least goes with Roland. In short, I want him to live. And then Gabriel just said, Oi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing is I think I think that Flanagan has total license to completely change the end because of the way that these stories, like the whole setup of the stories and the cyclical nature of the stories. Mm. I think he, he's allowed to change anything he wants. As long as it's predicated on the idea that this is the next time around. Oh, yeah, fair. I mean, if you use that as your trope, you can get away with pretty much anything. That's my point. Like, he could take everything that's amazing about the books and keep that and excise everything else, and it would still totally be canon. I feel like that's what they attempted to do with the Idris Elba version, but, like, it did not not hit. Um, so then what you can't you know. turn it into one two hour movie, you can't, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Uh oh, they're coming for you. What did you do now? <laughs> what did you do now, Deej? They're coming. Uh, well, uh, they caught my, my dog chasing uh people on bicycles and uh, told them we don't even own any bicycles. 
All right, so let's see here. John says, spoiler, turn back. I have never liked Mordred killing the Dark Man. Agree, Randall Flag. I was just so disappointed that Roland didn't get his revenge. Agree. Um, that was that's an incredibly anticlimactic ending for like one of the greatest villains in all of literary history. So yeah, John, you're not wrong. Okay. Sheldon says, I'm with Tim. Oh, I need to live. Agree. I'm with John B. I hate how the mutated spider is what takes Flag out. Yes, in a way it's rolling, but come on, a spider? Just no. And <laughs> I mean, I appreciate King's fear of spiders as someone who has them myself. And whenever I think of Mordred, I think of a spider baby. From, I think of the spider baby from Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spider baby from Toy Story. Yeah. Cute. All right. Christine says, uh, I, I wish they would release the stuff recorded in this pic. I agree. So the picture for this post on the Facebook group, for those of you who are not on the Facebook group, um, is a still from the um, pilot, the unreleased pilot that Amazon did. Listen, I get it. I was super sad when this got canceled. But if the thing, I mean, if it's one more step towards us getting like a really great multi-season Mike Flanagan-led story, like adaptation, I mean, it, sacrifices must be made. Eggs must be broken. <laughs> it is what it is. But also, I would still really like to see this pilot. Um, okay. So Chris says, thinking about it all, what really did the inclusion of King himself really add to the point? Correct, Chris. Correct. That's the only right answer. The thing, uh, the only thing I can think of it is that it reinforced other worlds than these. And that was, uh, it, it was the goodbye point for both, for Jay, both, both of which, I can't read today. I'm very tired, which I think could be written around pretty deftly in the adaptation. I agree, Chris. I feel like it would, if King himself shows up in a cameo, it's going to be so silly. Like it was silly in, in a book form. It's going to be so much worse in live action. <laughs> um, although, oh, so Tim actually responded to something that's kind of a fun idea. Um, he said it might be fun to have Joe Hill, King's son, uh, play a younger version of his dad, but I agree, more or less. If the series ever jumped the shark, King becoming a character is when it happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have always worried that, like, the purists would judge me for my not my not enjoying King showing up in the book, so it's good to know that, like, our listeners, they get it. The Oi needs to live, King needs to go. <laughs> I think it's the consensus. Is there anything else you thought of along the way you'd like to see? No, I mean, uh, that last one mirrors my personal preference. I, I the, the thing is, is like we're in a weird world now where some for some reason, HBO Max is committed to 10 years. Well, Max now is committed to 10 yeah. years of Harry Potter retelling. But like we can't get someone to do Stephen King. Right. So with those parameters set for our current universe, I feel like there is no success in our future. Yeah. I would like for me. Okay, I I agree. King's got to go. Always got to stay. Um, and then the other thing I would like, and I think this would solve several of these problems. I would like for Susanna not to have sex in the with the speaking demon and get Ooh. pregnant. I would like to just completely. I would like to see her fighting it physically, restraining it physically. That does not involve her vagina nor womb. And I would like that would get rid of the Mordred of it all. That would get rid of the Susan, the Mia of it all. Like 
I, I just feel like that would be better. If we want to have the tension during this era, maybe we could have Detta kind of returning and like wrestling for control of the body, something like that. Um, I don't think we need to involve the whole pregnancy. That would be my pick. <laughs> and that's probably blasphemous. But I said at the beginning, unpopular blasphemous opinions are welcome, including my own. I'm giggling because the pun would be to like to womb does this concern. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you wombed me. You wombed me. Um so yes, that is it for this listener question. We hope you enjoyed that. I always love, 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 love hearing what you guys have to say. Uh, I don't have a question yet for the next one. So definitely I will drop it on the Facebook group um, this week. I'm going to think about it. As soon as I listen to the new chapter, hopefully I'll have a, an idea and I will put it in the Facebook group. All right. We've already talked about the plan for next episode. That is it for us. Unless you have uh, questions, concerns, maybe this conversation spurred an idea and now you want to send us a message you can always do that by emailing us at castofcaw at zombiegirls.com that's g-r-r-l-z.com or you can come chat with us on the facebook group um and you can follow the zombie girls on instagram and twitter at zg podcasts and you can slide into the dms and talk about cast of Call there all you want well, we obviously welcome and appreciate that. If you're look, if you're like me and you like horror movies, we have a video on demand and streaming calendar where we keep track of all the spooky doings that are on on the various streaming services. You can find that at zombiegirls.com. If you love us and want to support us, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can buy some sweet, sweet cast of call merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch, or you can join the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls. Bonus episodes, extended episodes. Uh, get to join the Discord and hang out with me and DJ all the time. It'd be so cool. We talk about cast a car, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, that would mean a lot to us and make us feel real good. And last but not least, of course, you can always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your pods. Um, it means the world to us. It's incredibly flattering. Um, but also it really helps with the algorithm and helps people find us so that we can grow and become you know, like a BFD. Sorry, acronyms. Does that close <laughs> to uh, business speak? I don't know. All right, DJ, that is it for the plugs. Where else can they find you on to internet? I mean, occasionally you can swing over to Etsy and I'll uh, sometimes have a painting or something for sale. So that's Muffins Bank. Um, you can, uh, you know, uh, like Rachel said, please pop into the Discord if you want to find me normally. I am a very lazy, uh, internet-averse person these days, so I'm not very many places left on the internet to find me unless you want my really old content from 10 years ago. Uh, so pretty much <laughs> this and occasionally like a, like a, uh, to be fair episode is, is where you'll yeah. find me. What about you, Rachel? Well, you can find me on all of the shows across the Zombie Girls Network. Um, this weekend, I'm going to go see Renfield for Untitled Nick Cage show. Very Ooh. excited about that. Yes. That looks know, fun. Nick Cage. It looks fun, right? It's like supposed to be pretty gory. I was like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, you can find me on Zombie Girls, the more deadly podcast, and of course, Scream, Stream Queens as well. And then if you want even more content, you can head over to YouTube to the uh, uh, Outpost Unknown channel. There's a lot of shows on there, but if you want to hear, you can hear DJ on To Be Fair, and you can find me on Nobody's Listening, which is a Star Wars, um, I guess, sort of 
podcast because we're not on camera. Um, <laughs> where we ta- we just finished talking about the Bad Batch. This weekend we're going to be talking about Mandalorian. I would recommend if you're an Andor fan going back and listening to our episodes on Andor. I feel like we had some of our very best conversations about that. Although we've been having some really really great ones about Bad Batch and Mandalorian. So really, yeah, dip in anywhere. And then as far as other people's podcasts, uh, I was recently on an episode of Trick or Treat where we talked about, what did we talk about? It's been a couple of weeks and so my brain is Swiss cheese. Oh, Infinity Pool, which is one of the wildest and one of my favorite movies so far this year. Uh, I was recently on an episode of Rick or Treat. So Trick or Treat and Rick or Treat where Ariel and I talked about a Blood Diner, which is this wild wild like z movie from the 80s but also a foundational film in the history of mine and ariel's friendships we'll get to tell that story which was a ton of fun um it involves a mummified clown like a real actual mummified clown so there's a tease for you and i've always uh we occasionally pop up on bloody good horror and like i said outpost unknown so yeah lots of places if you want to hear some more rachel content uh of varying Mm. quality and sobriety (laughs) 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 all right that is it for us unless you're sticking around for the extended episode dj take us out listen if you're going to advertise spicy and uh, you have it on your menu. When I when I show up and I ask you for that spice, I want you to bring the spice. Don't look at me and assume just because I look like an elderly white man that I can't handle <laughs> my spice. So so to my my favorite places, please bring it. Please bring that spice. I want my lips to burn off. I want to regret it for three days. I want that spice. That's it. Good night. He wants those cheeks of fire. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening and to my co-host, DJ, for making me laugh and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show was created by DJ. New new owners of my favorite cart, um, they like, they light spice. Is this the Thai, is this the Thai place where we got stuff? Yeah, they, they had like a couple of new people. They're they're the same owner, but they have a couple of new people and they underspiced my my food because the new people were like, no, he doesn't know what he's asking for. He can't handle it. You're like, can't yes, handle it. But, but see, this is how you're going to end up with Ring of Fire. Like, so you know, <laughs> just so you know, like you're setting yourself up for the cheeks, the, the burning cheeks. The last time they saw me alive. <laughs> DJ, I don't have anything planned for the extended episode. What can we talk about for 15 minutes? This is a weird one, but let's talk safety here. Um folks, uh okay. I know I know that we're in our new green economy that electric bikes are all the rage. Um, oh jeez. But we, folks, I, DJ rant coming. DJ folks rant in alert, my neighborhood alert. have been um unlocking those bikes and uh riding at 40 to 50 miles an hour on electric what? bicycles. Yes. Apparently, um, depending on the brand you buy, uh, there's like a, a quote unquote off road code you can enter in that makes it illegal to ride on the streets technically. What? But the bike looks exactly the same. So what? people are just doing like 45, 50 miles an hour on bicycles, which basically makes them fairly low rent motorcycles. Uh-huh. But they aren't using like helmets, they don't have turn signals. 
and they're hauling ass. So like uh, these minor fender benders with bicyclists on electric bikes have turned into like death sentences for these people or like um, hundreds of thousands of dollars in doctor bills after their brain is swollen up and poked out of their ears a little bit. It's just, yeah, it's real bad. And so, um, well, a a 20 year old me would be like, hell yeah, let's do this. I mean, you are the guy that cruises around on like a single, the single wheel guy with, yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, uh, I wear a helmet and gloves and like safety stuff. Um, and I'm even like a little nervous. Like I don't want to end up eating, eating through a straw, you know, for the rest of my life or like being in like a, a place that like has to to wipe my butt. Speaking of the ring of fire (laughs) for the rest of my life. So, um, and I know that's a little depressing. So, uh, but we, we are adjacent to horror. So I feel like maybe there's an option here, Rachel, and not just let me run this by and see if this is worth a, a script proposal, but like a horror okay. movie where like a programmer, uh, purposely, uh, messes with electric bikes so that they ramp up in speed and and or maybe a murder plot, you know, like I could imagine like no. a very what's that maximum overdrive two. Yeah, electric yeah, like, bike, electric bike. 